Are there any other things that, you know, we fans would be surprised about with the process of recording an episode on the show? Yeah, dragons are not real. Wow. But um, yeah, that's just, I know. That's what I thought when I was ready to get on one and there was just a chair. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an exciting episode of Dragon Academy Dropouts. So we have a very special guest this week on Dragon Academy Dropouts, Michael Goldstrom, who's the voice actor for Trader Johan on DreamWorks Dragons Race to the Edge, Riders of Burke and Defenders of Burke. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. And there is no relation to Trader Johan from the Trader Joe's selection of cuisine from that area. So just we just want to clarify so people don't come on to the wrong thing, you know, expecting something different. Perfect. Yeah, that oh, yeah. was a question, so I'm going <laughs> to scratch that off the list now. There we go. Yeah, I like to head him off early. Excellent. So we'd love to start by learning a little bit more about you. Most of our listeners know you as Trader Johan from DreamWorks Dragons, but you've had experience in film, TV, theater, and stand-up comedy in addition to voice acting. Tell us a little bit about how you entered the acting industry, and when did you know that this was something you wanted to pursue as a career? Wait, how long do we have? <laughs> uh, so let's see. I start at the pain of birth, which just continues through the rest of your life. Because uh, really, that's the only thing that compares with the life of an actor <laughs> is that kind of <laughs> suffering. Um, but I actually started as a as a child actor. I was living in Dallas, even though I'm originally from San Francisco. And I was living in Dallas, and I started as a kid in school. And the woman who was teaching drama there, she's like, Michael, would you be interested in doing a play outside of school? I'm like, I'm um, sure, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Now, that may have come because the first thing that I did in school was a monologue as Jesus and uh, that I wrote myself very proudly. And uh, even though I was, even though I'm Jewish or raised Jewish, it was, you know, well, Jesus was Jewish too, so hell, you know, why not do it? So, um, so then I started acting there and then I found a manager from New York and everything. And I moved to New York as a kid when I was 13 by myself to act. And my parents followed me to open an art gallery in New oh, York. Wow. And I grew up, um, I went to a really great school there where the woman who ran the drama program there, she had trained at the Juilliard School, which I had never heard of before. And so in ninth grade, I'm doing plays like Chekhov and Shakespeare, um, where after school in the professional career that I was pursuing, I was auditioning for sitcoms like, you know, with a talking dog ordering pizza. <laughs> and I'm like, this stuff at school is like much better. I think I'm going to focus on this for a little bit. And so um, she really was a, a shaping force in my life and showing me like the scope of what acting could be. And so then I did want to get more of an education. So I went to Columbia University where I studied art history and psychology and dance and stuff like that. I don't talk about the dance much, although now I just did. So that's out. And, um, and then I went to Juilliard. Well, actually, I spent a year in England uh, at conservatories there. And then I went to Juilliard um, where I spent four years. So basically, the lesson of the whole situation is do not spend five years after college studying acting because that is totally unhelpful to a career. <laughs> right, just, just go do it. Um, 
but it was, they were all amazing experiences. I was incredibly fortunate with these teachers I got to work with and the diversity of material that I got to do. And certainly living in England for that year and working all the dialects and all that kind of stuff. And I've always been kind of a dialect guy and stuff like that um, was incredibly helpful when it came to um, the Trader Johan thing. And so, um, yeah, since school, it's been the life of an actor, which, again, I just don't generally recommend to people unless they <laughs> feel there is genuinely nothing they can do. Like it is better be a lift driver do tree trimming, like anything, but this is just more stable and more <laughs> calming to your nerves. Because like, at least, you know, when you cut a tree, you're like, I'm going to go up there with the tree and I'm going to cut the leaves and you know what will happen. And in the acting industry or entertainment industry, you have no idea what will happen. You can give the most amazing audition. You can be really well trained. You can do all this. And they might just go, you know what? His eye blinks just a little too fast. So we're going to go with the other person. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I'll leave it there before I go into a whole other world <laughs> that your listeners would get very depressed by. Oh, don't worry about <laughs> it. There's a lot or of Dragon fans with diverse interests, so I'm sure they're interested in hearing about your experiences. <laughs> Great. Um, speak, how many, speaking of, how many your of them are psychologists? Yes, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, speaking of your experiences, tell us about how you got involved with DreamWorks and the Dragon series. So just through the very typical way that an actor does, which is through auditioning. And so like I audition when you're doing voiceover uh, auditions and things like that, it, you primarily do them from home and you don't see anybody. You just if you have a booth, an audio booth at home, you just go in and you record the audition, which are just your lines because there's nobody else to read the other lines. You do as best you can trying to understand what they've given you for directions. And then you just send it off. And then usually for each of these roles, they're listening to a minimum of six to 700 people. And that's like at a minimum. And wow. um, yeah, it's, it's insanely competitive and difficult. And especially when, when people started recording from home, you started getting auditions from all over the place before, you know, you could, you would go into a studio and you'd have to be usually in Los Angeles or New York, but in predominantly Los Angeles for animation. So, for DreamWorks, this project is just kind of interesting because when I moved to Los Angeles, I met a Juilliard alum who became a producer, and she was the producer of the original film, How to Train Your Dragon. And she was on that project and helped shape it from the beginning. And I connected with her, and we were talking about other things, and we became friends. And I received an audition for Trader Johan the first time. And they had like, uh, you know, Viking, the typical stuff that you would think of what the Viking environment like might be. So I sent mm -hmm. in an audition. I never heard anything. Then a few weeks later, they sent it out again. But this time they said, looking for Trader Johan, English or Irish accent, something like that. And I went, all right. So I recorded it and sent it in. And Many, many, many weeks passed, and I went to DreamWorks to have lunch with my friend, just to, just to say hello, and we had a great lunch, and then as I'm leaving the DreamWorks studio, I get a call from the agent going, Michael, you got Trader Johan, you booked, you know, there's a dragon show. I'm like, you are kidding. I literally just came from lunch with my friend, like, right now, I'm at DreamWorks. Oh, my God. So it was pretty cool. Um, so that's how I got it. But when I then went in to record the first session, I didn't know if they wanted Irish or English. Like I didn't know anything. You just show up to record. 
And they said, oh, uh, well, why don't you do both and we'll see which one we want. I went, all right. And so I did, uh, I did both and they settled for the Englishy one. It's not like pure English, in case you have any English listeners who are like, he's got a terrible accent. I hate him. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's kind of a, not, I wouldn't call it fake. It's just a, a cosmopolitan English. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. So networking really helped you out with this one, huh? No. Um, actually, <laughs> this was just pure. <laughs> this is what's crazy. This was pure coincidence. I mean, the film division and the television division are actually quite separate from one another. And okay. when I had sent when I had sent in that audition, that 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 first audition, I sent an email to my friend saying, "Hey, just letting you know, I'm I sent in this audition for the How to Train Your Dragon television series." She responded. She said, "Well, you know, we don't really have anything to do with the television department, but I'll send a note to the casting director just tell her to look out for your thing." I'm like, "All right," but I didn't get that. And then they went on a, a second time around. And I submitted again. I didn't want to send the same email to my friend. Man, <laughs> he's really yeah. losing. So, um, uh, so maybe that did help. I, I mean, possibly. But I did find out afterwards. I went to a party, and the writers, producers, they said that they had been looking for that role for a really long time. And if you notice, pretty much everybody on this show are celebrities of sorts. Which I, I walk in, I'm like, damn, all right, that's cool, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and like, and you know, and me, and they said they had been looking a really long time and they went through these certain kinds of celebrities for the role and they just couldn't find the right thing until supposedly they heard me. And I'm like, I'm totally for that. I'm, I think you made a good choice. I'm very happy with that. So um, we think they made a good yeah. choice too. Agreed. Well, then I agree with you. God, we all like each other. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been the voice of the same character for six years or more. What is it like to take on that character now compared to back in the day when you were first starting? Yeah, that's, that's actually, that's a very interesting question. Um, I think when, when I started, you know, I hadn't done animation at this scale before, at this level where you kind of knew that it's really good. The writing was really, really good. It, it, the writing was so good because it, it appeals to adults and kids, and it's pretty sophisticated um, with the kind of stories they're telling and the emotions that you get to portray. It's it's like you're act you actually feel like you're acting, whereas a lot of other kinds of animation you don't. You're just kind of making noises or screaming or laughing or. Um, but this was more sophisticated, and that is really rare and truly exciting. And that's one reason I feel so lucky to have been a part of it. So when I started, the challenge really was to find the, the palette of expression. And especially with that kind of accent, you know, you're trying to find, okay, this is an imaginary world, but it's kind of Vikings where people are trying to survive. But he has a cosmopolitan perspective because he travels all over and they wanted the English perspective. So at first it's kind of like, well, you don't want to speak like this because this is a bit too, you know, uh, upper class and things like that. So, and you don't want to talk like this, which is more, you know, like from London Cockney, whatever that is. So, you know, you kind of do a combination of that. It's like, oh, Burke, my favorite of all the island. He's kind of a grand salesman of sorts, kind of Cockney-ish, kind of English and very worldly. And, and then I would sometimes, this leads into, I think, another question we were heading to where I would sometimes start to improvise the stories. 
And then they started really writing these fantastic stories for him. And so as it progressed, Trader Johan, you know, became known as the storyteller who just couldn't shut up, a.k.a. similar to me. And um, only there people can change the channel. Here people have to yell and leave. And so um, towards the end, though, as it progressed, I mean, well, we'll get there because the last season was the big change. And that was the big, oh, yeah. that was the mm-hmm. big, really interesting transition that I was so excited about. Yeah. So that was another question we can scratch off the list. I was going to ask whether you are personally as long winded as your character. Uh, <laughs> But that didn't, I think, pass, yeah. didn't pass the review board, so it got eliminated. Uh, but No, no, I think you can. You know what? I think at the end of this, you can just do a, an online poll. And I, mm-hmm. I bet you'll get your answer. Or you can just do it amongst yourselves and just go, oh, my God. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you can just take a nap afterward. Yeah. yeah Adderall, so- Adderall helps. <laughs> so you've had, you've had roles on stage. You, you've been in films. You were Jesus. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was Jesus. How do how do these things contribute to your your work as a voice actor? You know, I, I think everything does. Voice acting is one of the most difficult aspects of of the acting profession because all you have is the microphone. You can't, you know, moving your hands, your facial expression, none of this will be seen. So absolutely everything that you want to convey has to be conveyed through some aspect of your voice. And that is extremely challenging. And it has to be within the confines of the technical aspect, like, you know, making sure that you are on mic, that your voice isn't away, your mouth isn't kind of pointed away from the mic, that, you know, if you're, you're yelling, that you're directionally appropriate. And, um, then there's the quality of the lines, the material, and then there's the characterization. So basically everything that you're doing needs to be con- conveyed through this tiny, narrow mode of expression. And so if you've had all this other kind of training, stage training or film training experience, where you learn to use all these aspects of your body, you kind of have to totally not let that go, but learn how to channel it into your voice. So I've found it to be an extraordinary challenge, like making sure that it's going into the voice and aligning your creative thoughts, like what you want to convey and and then what you hear. And then, you know, what you hear, how you hear your voice is not how other people hear your voice. So sometimes there's this disconnect. Like sometimes I'll be watching Trader Joe's or I'm like, oh, I don't really recognize that as me. Or most of my friends don't recognize that as me. I usually do, but sometimes I'm like, wow, that that's a bit weird. So, um, yeah, the other huge, huge challenge, and in particular with this show, and if this is one of your questions, then you can just give it to somebody else. I'm sorry. I'm messing up the rhythm. But um, one of the huge challenges is that for all recordings, you are recording alone. There's no other actor there. You're not recording together. And if you have any experience acting on stage or just any experience, really acting, pretty much the definition of acting is acting with other people. And to act alone and imagine that you're speaking to people and imagining their responses, that's a big challenge as well. Because also you want it to be different every time so that it feels spontaneous and real. So uh, that was pretty hard. 
but they did the way they do that is um, often either the director or one of the writers or producers who are really um, the team on this. I mean, I just want to let you know from all different kinds of people I've worked with, they are extraordinary. I mean, magical kinds of people, just really skilled. What they managed to accomplish with this show is just really amazing. Um, so yeah, but they will sometimes act those lines for you or read them. You know, I said, I never loved you. Remember, I never loved you. You know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. So other than having to respond to people who are maybe not quite as in character as you'd like, um, are there any other things that, you know, we fans would be surprised about with the process of recording an episode on the show? Yeah. Dragons are not real. Wow. But um, yeah, that's just, I know. That's what I thought when I was ready to get on one and there was just a chair. Um, uh, well, I think, I mean, the biggest surprise for me is just that you're alone um, in there. And also, you know, the length of time that it takes to make an episode and from when you record. So when I got the role, I recorded it. They had not even designed the characters yet. Many of them. Well, they hadn't designed my character, so I didn't know what he looked like. A year later, they had the quote-unquote rap party, which is a party you give at the end of, of recording something or the end of filming something. And it's kind of, we're all done. But the rap party was a year later, but I would finished recording a year before. So it was a bit weird. <laughs> but the reason why it was a year later is because it took them a year to complete all those episodes. So it was a rap party for everybody, so for the animators and the directors i mean for for the, the massive team that went into creating it and then you know i, I actually went to the rap party a couple nights ago for the whole the, the whole series and i saw all these people who had been with it for six years and the reason why i mentioned it was such a feat to pull off is this was really one of the first kinds of animated shows that tried to emulate the the movie quality emulate uh movie quality animation as well as with the script and then they had an extremely difficult challenge because the movie uh series the franchise is still going so they had to build this whole other series that couldn't do anything that future movie episodes would do so they they had to create work very carefully to build something that wouldn't infringe on the movie side, but also kind of gave the feeling of a movie, but also was, you know, for kids and with the amount of episodes. And, you know, we had two seasons on Cartoon Network before it went to um, Netflix. So there were 40 episodes there. So then they had to find all these kinds of animators in, in different countries that could actually do this quality of animation. And th they said at the rap party, they went through 13 vendors, people who could just produce this animation. So it was brutal. What has been uh, your favorite part about uh, bringing Johan to life? I know you've, you know, you've done this role for so long, but, you know, what <laughs> has been the most, I guess, rewarding about building this character? Well, I mean, the first thing is the people. I mean, everybody involved, like I'm saying, are, they're just good people, you know, people that you just feel good to be around and who are very creative and optimistic and uh, have huge imaginations and fun. And so 
even though you're recording alone, you still get to interact with everyone. Um, right. And I didn't. Yes, go ahead. Did you just say right? <laughs> Did you say right? Yeah. Or were you about yeah. to like yeah. spit up something? Like, what the hell are you talking about? That doesn't exist. Um, no, no. no. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I've heard of that place. I don't know where that is. But yeah. No, I think good I've actually <laughs> I've actually had a chance to um, visit the TV studio and the people that I met there were amazingly nice like they met they let me come in and kind of showed me around and it was it was awesome wow. but yeah no they were super nice so I can only imagine how great it must yeah. have been to kind of work oh, with them well I'm so happy then that you had that experience so the biggest thing is the people of course and then secondarily like I'm saying the writing I mean it it is really rare to be to get writing of this quality for animation it, it's it's kind of Game of Thrones meets DreamWorks animation meets kids, you know, like it has epic quality to it. That's why this last season was so cool to be able to transform into that kind of character, which was very Game of Thrones. And then, you know, at the end, the way they had animated Johan's fighting, like that was the most kind of direct and aggressive fighting I've seen in the series. There's knives being thrown. There, there. It, that's hand-to-hand combat, and there's actual death that is there on the cusp. Usually, they don't show death. You know, somebody gets knocked off a dragon or smushed or something. But this, <laughs> that was like that was heading towards Game of Thrones, the cartoon. You know, like it was, <laughs> it was really intense. And so, you don't often get to do that. In other words, have that kind of scope. You know, usually it's just kind of one thing. So uh, that that's one of the most exciting things. And then, of course, just finally, is then when you see it and you're just going, oh, my God, like this looks incredible. And you Literally don't us last week. Again? Literally us last week when we watched the episodes. Yeah. That's the me too. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God, like you people. I just want to go stop. I don't want to throw vegetables. Just stop doing that. That's too good. Stop it. And so. Uh, but I don't want to mess up my TV, so I don't care. Um, and I know that you kind of touched on um, how at the beginning you were able to kind of uh, improv the the stories that Johan tells. So I guess my next question is how much improvisation did you actually do on the show? Were you able to kind of build into the character that way or was it very... It's for me, it was it, for me, it was more limited, um, like TJ Miller was kind of, you know, he got to improv everything, but also he's a regular on the show and that's kind of his thing. And so because when you're playing a role like this, your goal is to support the story. So you want to make sure that you are you're really hitting those marks first. And after you feel you've done that successfully and time is very, very tight in these recording sessions, you know, you've got 15 minutes here or 20 minutes there. And so you just need to walk in and nail it. And so if you feel you've nailed it or they say you nailed it, then you can try some other things. When I started, I, you know, they would maybe start a little story and then I would just keep going and keep going, keep going. And so then I think they just felt comfortable writing more and more. So I actually didn't feel the need to improvise as the more it moved on because their stories were awesome. So I was like, you know what? This is good. I would maybe sometimes add stuff on a little bit, but there was so much there. I mean, you know, Johan's text is like a lot. So, um, and, and also what's so cool is 
some of the stories they would pull are legitimate historical stories, but like from ancient history. And so, which is kind of the direction I would like to go in, but my history just is made up. So I would just improvise made up history, but they take actual stuff. So I, I preferred that. So I was like, yeah, let's use the real thing. So yeah, they were good. Wow. Um, so we, also kind of touched on um, the number of fight scenes that Johan was involved um, during this whole season, especially in, you know, this last season, he was kind of the fight instigator, so to speak. Um, So what was it like to record those physical scenes, you know, using only your voice? What's that process kind of like? That's a really good question because, uh, you know, when, when it comes to voice acting, you have you you actually have specialists in like monsters and uh, video games like who do monsters and they bring things in to change their voices and you you know doing grunts and stuff all the time and so when you do something like this the transition for johan to become evil you know we discussed a change in his voice and what that might sound like and um I was using a different part of my voice and there's also a lot more now at stake. So things are much more important for Yoha. It's like his whole life. And so the minute that happens, just more tension wants to come into the voice. So you have to learn to let that tension go so you don't get kind of choked up. So then when you're fighting, likewise, you want to use these aspects of your voice that can kind of hurt you. I mean, I remember... I remember doing one of these scenes where Johan's screaming and my voice did some really weird thing where I just went (laughs) up into this kind of register where I was like, Jesus, what the hell happened like right now? And it scared the hell out of me. But it was because I was in this state and my voice just did that, you know? And what's interesting is they didn't use that one, which was scary. And I think kids would have gone, mommy, what happened to that voice actor? But um, (laughs) they did use a moment where my voice did that, like where it just kind of went up like that, which I thought was kind of cool. It's like I wasn't, this is what we kind of call a grounded voice where you're supported by your breath. And this is what you learn when you go to acting conservatories, how to support your voice. But when you're screaming and yelling, sometimes we're not screaming from a place of, that's supported, you know, like, oh, you know, you're screaming from your throat. And in particular, in these high stakes, stressful situations, that's what can happen. And you can mess up your voice, which is why you're taught not to do that. But that happened to me because I was in this state, like it was so crazy. So um, yeah, so you also come in to record these other kind of grunt sounds or like, you know, they have what are called pickups. And after you do the recordings and after they make the episodes, you sometimes will come in later, many months later, to do pickups, which are add in a few lines or sounds. So it's like, Michael, um, uh, Johan here, he's getting off a dragon. So can you just add a, you know, a little sound of you know, falling off the dragon or something? I'm like, sure, all right. You know, oh, oh, you know those little things. Yeah, if someone, told, if someone told me to be like, make a sound of falling off a dragon and just freeze, and I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Do not know what I'm well, doing. That would be your characterization of falling off the dragon, and that would be beautiful. <laughs> Unfortunately, no one would see that or hear that, but we know that that's what you would look like mm-hmm. in sound. So we are prepared. All right. 
Um, okay, so most of my questions have basically already been answered, so I'm going to go rogue a little bit. Sorry to oh, the other okay. co-hosts. Go for it, girl. <laughs> All right. um, because basically, with um, with what you've been telling us, what I really um, am, am interested in hearing about is you, you know, you talked about the wrap parties and seeing, you know, the final product. What what is that like when you record? You know, not really seeing the animation, and you just uh, you see the final product is is there like a big disconnect like what is that moment like it's exhilarating because this process is so disconnected so if you're doing a film there are all these people around you you have a camera you're usually acting with somebody else who's either there or off camera if you're doing a stage, a, a play, excuse me, and you're on stage, everything is there. So you're responding to everything. Voice acting is the most isolated of all of these uh, modes of acting. You are in a sound booth alone, you and a microphone. There is somebody on the other side of a, of a window. <laughs> so you're, it's the closest you get to an insane asylum. Literally, it, it is literally a padded room with a microphone. So, like, so everything is disconnected, and you're doing it line by line because you're not working with other actors. So it's everything is just piece by tiny piece by tiny piece. So you don't even really get a full sense of the whole scene that you're doing because it's just piece by piece, line by line. So. To actually then see this finalized scene where everything's put together, it, it really is just, it's not overwhelming, but it's, it is exhilarating and exciting. And it, it just, you, you of course trust everybody because you're like, okay, I can just say these lines. I have no idea what this will look like or what is actually happening, especially with a lot of the fight scenes or you know, if there's dragons flying and fighting and, you know, a mace fall, like the script, you know, a mace falls, a dragon dives, fireballs come here. Like, I don't really know entirely what's going on because I mean, it's so complicated reading it from a script. But then the minute you see it, I mean, everything just makes clear and simple sense. And you learn to trust everybody and, and, and it looks freaking amazing. And, and then the, there's stuff like, like one of my favorite scenes or episodes is when uh johan comes back to the island with hiccup and everybody's missing and you know he finds this dragon and you know farts on him and johan falls off the thing like i love that i absolutely had no idea that that's what that would look like it was hard to kind of understand in the script but that is totally up my alley like dragons farting on johan like that's that's my thing like i'm into that i guess that's i guess that's my fetish I think I'm sure there's a website where people can meet people who are into dragons. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, I, there's so many talented people who are involved in this project. So I'm sure just that, that kind of moment, especially seeing it with um, everybody else together is probably pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so earlier you sort of gave a little bit of advice to people who might be interested in pursuing a career in theater or in acting or in comedy and that, advice was um cut trees instead <laughs> uh, do you have do you have any do you have any other no, no. Piece yeah, of plant advice people who ignore that yeah, <laughs> people plant, who are like plant. nope never mind i'm ignoring you i'm gonna do it anyway what's your next piece of advice for them um wow 
I've gone through so many phases of, of, of this throughout my life, you know, and, and how to talk to people about it. Um, don't take anything for granted. So the industry has been changing a lot over the past 10 years in particular, 20 years for sure, 10 years, definitely. But it is, it it really is changing. Some things are the same, but other things are really changing. So a lot of the things that you used to feel that you could take for granted, you can't anymore. So for example, these days, it used to be that, oh, you have to go to college to get a good job. And now a lot of people go to college and they're like, wait a minute, where's my good job? I don't understand this because there isn't kind of a direct correlation between that anymore. And likewise, you know, I went to a school like Juilliard, which is a really phenomenal acting conservatory, which it used to kind of give the impression like you go to Juilliard, like these things can happen for you. And I didn't actually go to it with that in mind, but you had the feeling that that was possible. And it is. I mean, many of my friends are extremely successful. You know them, Academy Award kind of people, you know, that thing. But what it takes to actually make a living and a career is, first off, it's very different for different people. It is extremely difficult. The rewards you get are, (laughs) it's that's kind of what's at stake right now is what are the rewards that you get. It's not money for a lot of people and people who work a lot. Um, And it is a lot of money for other people. And it's no money for a whole bunch of other people who are still at it like every day. So when it comes to an actual career, um, I think it's, it's, Going in with your eyes very wide open, taking notes all the time. You know what I think this is what this is what it is. I think this is my big lesson over the past ten years or so. If something isn't working for you, then make a different choice, and always be willing to accept what is actually happening in the moment for you, and be willing to try other things. So I'm not saying don't act. I'm not saying don't be creative. I mean, by all means, because I think everybody acts every day. You know, you, you act differently with your mother than you do with your best friends. You're, you're putting on different faces. So we all have the capacity to explore different aspects of ourselves, which is all acting really is. But to do it on a professional level versus doing it for creative fulfillment, ideally those two things can happen. And that's what a lot of us are striving for. But sometimes it's more difficult for other people and sometimes it's not for other people. So just know where you're at in any given moment. Um, That's a really complex answer because I think it's a complex question that I take very seriously because I don't want to sit here and go, rah, 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 you can do it. I believe anybody can. I strongly believe anybody can be a phenomenal actor. It, it doesn't mean everybody can play, can or should play Hamlet, even though they can. I'm not saying everybody should, but everybody has a capacity to be extremely creative and express themselves creatively. They're just in different ways. So you just need to find what works for you. That's that I think is, is my final answer. That's my final answer. <laughs> 
Dang. I think that that's really good advice, just solid all around, you know, um, even if people aren't pursuing a career in acting, thanks for being so, um, so candid with us with that answer. Um, so I guess kind of to support that you have made a living in this crazy world of acting. So where can fans of, um, DreamWorks Dragon see more of your work? Like what else are you currently working on right now? That's a great question. No more. I, I ask myself that question daily. I'm actually working on a startup that I'm building right now. So that's kind of where all of my attention is going. But really, um, I've done a lot of audiobooks. Actually, you know, I think the best place to look for the most current work that I've been doing is I have a lot of audiobook work and a lot of stuff that people might like, people who, who watch Dragons or might like. Um, there are some very cool books. If you look on Audible and you put in my name, uh, there's a whole kind, all different kinds of books that would pop up. Um, do a lot of different accent work on that stuff. Um, and to see my face, well, Google photos. I'm kidding. Uh, I'll just, I'll just share my albums with you. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I ha- was doing theater over the past couple of years. Um, but I've been slowing down this year in particular with that. So I'm not doing anything right now, uh, on stage. So all my attention is going to my startup right now. And then this one screenplay I have, uh, so that's where everything is going. So uh, otherwise, Twitter, of course, you can find me. I'm not. I'm, here's the thing: I'm not very active on social media because I actually don't believe it's very healthy for us. It, it distracts our attention. That said, I do have a home there, and uh, I do have a Facebook page, um, and uh, and Instagram. But I'm not very active on them. So, uh, but I will respond. You know, eventually, if somebody goes like, "Hey, you, yeah, you." Okay, I just want to see if this works, and I'd be like, "Great, thank you." So, um, <laughs> so dragons fans, you know what to do. Go show there them some you love. Go. Hey you, hey you, hey you. We'll definitely we'll post some some links uh, in the description for this, and we'll also put a link to um, Audible. So if anybody wants to search up any of those audiobooks, um, yeah. very cool, a bit easier for them. Hallelujah. Speaking of fans, should we jump to the fan questions? Let's do it. So um, we asked um, on um, some of our social media sites, Tumblr, Twitter, questions that they would like you uh, to answer for them. And the number one question that a lot of fans asked is... A lot. A lot. (laughs) Like a hundred people. Great. It's a really great question. Um, But everybody wants to know uh, when and how did you find out about Trader Johan's plot twist? And were you as surprised as we all were? Because we were very surprised. So Right. I found out, well, I I would say when you did, but I found out when I got that script. So there, I did not know years in advance. It was pretty much at the end of the last season. So in that final script is when I found out. And I wasn't surprised so much as more like, yes, (laughs) oh, yes, this you can do a dragon on. I went, mother. (laughs) So um, I I was very, very happy. Uh, And here's the main reason why, because, you know, the the guys playing the villains at this point is Alfred Molina, who's kind of the big, the big arch villain, (laughs) you know, And he's also just this wonderful actor. And I just met Hakeem, who plays uh, 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 Krogan. And um, it was, 
I'm above them. I'm telling them what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, Alfred, how you doing? Why don't you come over here and let's have a chat? I mean, I was very, very excited. So I didn't know exactly how far it would go. I didn't until I got the scripts for the, you know, this, this last season. And then I was like, oh my God, I mean, this is amazing. And I mean, and they really went dark with it. So I was, I was all for that, of course, but I found out when you did. But of course, you know, like, you know, as you're saying, like the traitor, you know, traitor, traitor, you know, of course, like, <laughs> I would make jokes about that earlier. I'm like, yeah, traitor, he's a traitor, you know, <laughs> back and forth, but finally for it to come true was nice. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, uh, that leads really well into another question. So um, this was from an anonymous fan, but um, I think you'll definitely appreciate this question. They said, I noticed Johan's accent changed in the final season after the big reveal. Was the change in tone of voice a personal addition or did the producers provide input on how your voice should change? Yeah, they no, they, I, I walked in and we, I, I noticed, wow, he's going dark here. And then they're like, yeah, so we're thinking, you know, he's he's been putting on this persona all these years. So actually, it was a funny exchange because I actually misunderstood what they had said, they the direction they were going in. And like he suddenly drops it. He drops that persona. I'm like, OK, so I dropped the English accent entirely. And I'm like, so hiccup, you think that you're like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, you said, no, no, don't drop the English thing. Just drop that. So I'm like, oh, OK, I'm glad we had this discussion. And so it just became this kind of uh, darker, grittier, you know, less melody. So, you know, where if Trader Johan before would be like, you know, ah, oh, Burke, my favorite of all the. So this kind of melodic, um, it, the word that comes to mind, which is, it's a very old word and it's not a word that you would associate with this. But like at the turn of the cent last century, you would call oriental, like oriental rugs. And when you, an oriental rug has all of these kind of winding patterns and that you go around and uh, flowers and vines. And so you can kind of imagine the voice taking a similar path, you know, all around and up and down, all this kind of thing. So it has a kind of exoticism to it. Um, we don't use that term anymore. It is not appropriate. But um, there was that kind of feeling. And so kind of getting rid of the melody where it's just more of a gritty kind of, look, I told you, I don't want any more of this. Do you understand? Kind of a, and using more consonants where there's a hardness. And it was very cool then to see it because I actually was, even I was like, damn, that's okay. That's kind of scary. Like that was really, to me, it felt very intense. Like, I, and I don't know how other people felt watching it, but I was like, that felt mean, like, like evilish. So I, I was I was happy, of course, but uh, it was kind of amazing to see that difference. Yeah, definitely. Um, so another anonymous uh, user wanted to know how has your perception of Johan changed, if it has at all, since you started in Writers of Burke to now at the end of Race to the Edge. Perception of Johan. Um, well, my perception is really shaped by, you know, <laughs> their writing of it. Um, you know, I. There's just two quick ways to answer this question. So, you know, when you're an actor, you're not supposed to judge your character because otherwise you're playing a judgment rather than a person. You know, Hitler didn't think, I'm such a bad guy. You know, I'm just so mean and bad and evil. So if you're playing Hitler, you know, 
He thinks he's doing the right thing. But of course, everybody else is like, wow, that is evil in a man. And so, you know, when I approach Johan, you know, you're approaching it from what he wants and what he needs and what's important to him. But then when you watch it, it kind of leads into what I was just saying, which is when, when I see it, you know, you have this other experience of like, man, I wonder why he's so desperately needs like, what is going on with this guy? He's really driven by something. But you know, when you have antagonists like this, characters like this, that's what makes the drama is like they desperately need something and for whatever reason. And he desperately needed the King of Dragons for, for power. He desperately needed power. And some people need that, you know. I don't need it that, at that level. I just need to know, you know what, when I wake up tomorrow, my apartment will be here. Everything will be okay. You know, I need that kind of power. Yeah, I like that kind of power too. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really, it's really cool that since um, for the first uh, seasons, you didn't know that Johan was a traitor. Um, and so your performance of him was playing the role he created for himself in a way. I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. You know, just to pipe in is that the way he's written, because he talks so much and he tells all these stories, some of which you like, are, is that real? Is that not real? And he's always trying to sell something or, or get something there there was always left a lot of room for wondering what his real motives are. So, you know, as an actor, you don't really have to worry about that. You just kind of do your best to make it as entertaining as you can and let everybody else worry about the motives. But yeah, I, I didn't know, but you can tell looking back retrospectively, you can tell that it's kind of in there, which is why it makes sense by the end. It's not like all of a sudden he becomes evil. Definitely. There's enough, he was written with enough room where we could go like, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, another fan, FlixChicks95, wanted to know what has she been your favorite season to be part of. <laughs> Sorry. <my favorite laughs> um, so, uh, well, this last one, I mean, definitely. Just because because of the timbre of my voice, which is kind of, you know, the word timbre, it's like the, the quality or the tones of my voice. You know, I don't have this rich, deep, dark voice, you know, like Hakim, he's got this rich voice and even Alfred Molina. So I don't get to play villains that often because they tend to go to these dark kind of people, you know, that talk like this, you know? So uh, that's why it's very cool to be able to have the chance to do that. And the way I look, most people don't look at me and go, murderer <laughs> actually maybe they do and they just don't say it and that's why they're running away i don't know but um so it is awesome to be able to play villains uh and and, and rare so especially this season because those scenes that i had mainly the first and those last episodes um i mean that's epic that's like you know a marvel movie or a you know, that's just freaking epic. So it's really cool. All right. So we've got a couple other fan questions for you. Here is oh an anonymous fan question, and I can I can see why it's anonymous. It's a really deeply personal question that really, really only you could answer, I think. Um, what's your favorite dragon? Oh. Now, by the way, I just want to make sure anonymous, it's not from the website anonymous, and these aren't hackers <laughs> asking questions, right? Not that it, we know of. It could be. Oh. It Who knows, be, but certainly right. not those people. All right. So this one goes to Julian Assange. Um, <laughs> so uh, 
you know what? All right, this is kind of embarrassing, but but also not because as Trader Johan, I didn't really interact with the dragons. In fact, Trader Johan was scared of dragons. <laughs> he was scared blankless of dragons. And so um, so I didn't really get to intimately know them. I pretty much saw them, you know, at McDonald's or we get them as gifts every so often. Um, I'll tell you this much. I loved the red one, which is Krogan's dragon. Um, I didn't know. The, I don't know the name of it, but. Singetail. Singetail. There you go. Yeah. Singe, yeah. It, they'll come back if, if I'm there. Beautiful. But at the same time, I mean, this is the thing with the dragons. I mean, the animation is truly mind blowing with the dragons, just not only artistically and the designs and the color schemes and, and, and just structurally how they're all designed, but then the actual animation of, of them as creatures is just mind blowing. There, there's, there's such attention to detail that, that they feel like living animals. I spend quite a bit of time, unfortunately, on Reddit looking at animal videos and these dragons. I mean, it feels like they feel like real actual animals from this animation. The sensitivities and, and you know, what they're interested in and where they're looking and how they move. It is truly, truly masterful. But in this last season, the amount of dragons that are there and the diversity of them, it's, I, I mean, it is just a, I think, a masterwork of animation and certainly for television. So I'm going to say all dragons with a shout out to Singe Tail for Julian Assange. Seems fair. Thank also, you. big fan of the Singe Tails. Um, all right. So, okay, we've talked about your favorite dragons. Uh, what yes. scene uh, in particular was your favorite Trader Johan scene? And this is a question that comes from Ashley Benlove. Hello, Ashley. How are you doing? How's your mother? So um, I'm going to go, I'm just going to go with the fir- three scenes. The first, the very first one, just because it sticks in my mind and he's introduced, you know, um, Ah, Burke, my favorite of all the islands, just this kind of, I just love that openness of it. And, and that was the first animated version of it I had seen. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then I love the farting scene. Just love that scene. I just think that it's very funny. And then uh, I'm sorry. You know, I don't laugh out loud at most things. But fart jokes, those kinds of things, that I will cry. I will cry from laughing. Um, so to be in one as, trade, as an animated character, I'm sorry, that's just like a dream come true. And then, um, and then the last, the last scene, um, that, you know, the ice fight scene in the, in the cavern. I mean, that's just amazing. It, it just really amazing. Just animation wise, it's incredible. Even the very, that very last scene, the way Johan is frozen into ice, just how that looks is so cool. It was an incredible also, shot. Yeah. Oh my God. So, yeah, just Yo- Johan wise, because there's other just stunning scenes. But Johan wise, I mean, those are my my top three moments. All right. So we've got one one other fan question. Um, I think I got to unpackage this one a little bit. It's from Daglout. Um, How to train your dragon fans. They are really creative and we've got a lot of really artistic, amazing people here who draw and write and share these really amazing, but also unusual crazy things and so the question from daglout is with with this in mind 
Um, what kind of content would you like to see of Johan from fans? Wow. So meaning like, you mean like if they make a television series, what kind of, or like what you mean? Um, what? I mean, they could make a television series, but, um, you know, I would love to see Johan, Johan. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Johan and his travels would be pretty cool. Like, in fact, what you should do is a prequel of just Johan and his travels. That would be cool. All right. There's your answer. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Johan's life, even though he said he stole it from the, uh, you know, he stole these stories from other merchants. I would just say, let's pretend he didn't. And let's say it was actually him. Maybe he lied about that, that he stole it and actually was him, but he just didn't want to admit that he was actually a merchant, a lowly merchant who suddenly wanted power. And, uh, but that he goes to all these different places, uh, kind of like Steve Irwin, uh, you know, the croc hunter, not the croc hunter, but he's like, oh, let's look at this over here. That's kind of cool. Look, it's a platypus. Here, I'm going to touch it. But Johan, with all these different cultures, um, yeah, kind of, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see mm-hmm. Johan, some of these, uh, some of the cultures that can be made up or something of, of where he was and maybe previous experiences with dragons that he's had and like maybe why he feels the way he feels, his relationship to dragons. Um, what else? I'd love to know, you know, all right, you asked, I'm going to give it to you. So yeah. <laughs> I'd like to know, like, what does he do for vacation? Like, where does Johan like to spend his time? Like, we only see him on a boat, you know, going from place to place, or we only see him, you know, trying to kill Hiccup. But where does he go to relax? You know, just to chill. Johan's, Johan's chill pad. You know, <laughs> I think these are great questions. Yeah. Fans, bring it on. Yeah. Right. So if you're listening to this, you know what to do. We want to yeah. see Johan's vacations and we want to see his travels. And if nobody does that, I think I may incorporate and just start offering Johan's vacations to people mm-hmm. online. So that's a good, great business. I mean, we all want to hear, we, we all want a new TV series, right? But maybe what yeah. we really want is DreamWorks Dragons, just Johan, a prequel. Look, from, from this recording to DreamWorks speakers. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yes. Uh, right. Yeah. That was our last fan question. Thank you so right. much for giving the fans what they wanted. They're going to be so sure. excited. Um, cool. I know we're pushing the one hour mark. Um, so if you have to go, that's fine. But we had one fine. more quick idea. Um, yeah. If you are game, we'd love to try a little quick rapid fire game with you. I'm all for it. All right. This is kind <laughs> of a would you rather format. We call it you get to keep it. We're going to give you two choices and you're going to have to pick one. Make sense? Yes. Okay. So here's the scene. Johan is known for having a diverse collection of artifacts and trinkets. Imagine Johan's ship is sinking and you can only take one of these items with you. We'll give you two choices and you have to pick one. Great. Make sense? Uh, We'll find out in a moment. Okay. So first choice, Hiccup's completed flight suit or Hiccup's fire sword. Oh, cool. (laughs) Sorry. Um... You get to keep one. Oh, gosh. I thought it would be easy. <laughs> Damn. All right, because you have to go through the logic. All right. I mean, I could just do the random one, but let's see. The, I mean, the sword is protective, but if, if the ship is going... Wait, you say the ship is sinking? Yep. Yeah. Going down. But wait, wait. does the fire sword work underwater or not? Didn't it work underwater in one um, of the episodes or not? Oh, no. I don't remember. I don't think it did. Uh, yeah, I don't I'm remember. Using a, I, I'm using a flight suit just because if anything, I can wrap it around my head 
and just capture what oxygen is left and breathe in it while I'm going down. Okay, that's good logic. All right, next choice. The Twins Travel Guide or Snotlout's Autobiography? Oh, cool. These are cool. (laughs) Sorry. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I'm going to choose I'm going to choose the the travel guide just because I feel like that will be uh, one. The autobiography would be incredibly self-indulgent and the travel guide would be very, very whimsical. Mm -hmm. Good choice. Thank you. I agree. Okay. this next one. (laughs) This next one is very important. Five pounds of milk chocolate or five pounds of dark chocolate. Oh. Damn, damn girl. Okay, that's tough <laughs> because I, I happen to be a chocoholic. So, I mean, I'm going to go with dark, um, but I, and I have come around, back around to milk after many years of, <laughs> kind of avoiding milk. But I, I will, I will go with the dark just because it's a little more versatile. Excellent. I won't go, I won't go into why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the bewilderbeast's egg. From oh. the last season, or all of Burke's gold. Damn, damn. Oh man, I wonder if people listening will be like, "Yeah, yeah, gold, <laughs> gold." <laughs> what an idiot! He chose the gold. The ship I mean, is sinking. You know, you gotta I, make a right, choice. They're not I mean, on the ship. I, do I have like a, a help hotline? Like, can I ask you guys? Like, wh- what would you take? I think we should give him one one help. Yeah, give me give me one help. Like, okay. let me just get you know. I I want your suggestions on this one. Mm. I'd go with the egg. But I don't really? know about yeah, me too. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Right. Take the egg. Right, <laughs> Why? Because if dragon. you don't take the egg, then it's gonna die. Oh, so for I see for ethical reasons. That's yeah, very for ethical yeah. reasons. Okay. Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay. Okay. Then I yes, I I will take the egg. I think you you've set me on the right path. Mm-hmm. See, I was thinking from selfish reasons. This is actually a great philosophical moment we just had because I was thinking of this just purely selfishly like, well, all the gold, imagine what I can do. Although I actually don't know how much gold Burke actually has. Probably not much. Yeah. After Hiccup had his hands on it. Of course. (laughs) And then the egg, I mean, of course, it's a a living creature that if, if it's not cared for would probably die. But I was thinking, wow, well, if I took the egg... Well, then I would, I would potentially have a dragon that I could use to fly around all over the place, not even thinking that this is a living thing that needs to be cared for. So you just set me on a very right path. Thank you. Good job, guys. Yeah, all well right. done. Next one. Astrid's axe or Macy? That's kind of cool. Uh, I'm going to take the axe just because it's easier to use for me. Yeah. Team Poor Macy. Poor Macy. Yeah. yeah. From experience, axes are much easier to use. Nice. Okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> nice. A map to the fountain of youth or a map to the tree of knowledge? Oh, cool. Oh, obviously knowledge. See, knowledge, because see, if you, if you have knowledge, then you can either find your way to the fountain of youth or build a fountain of youth. But knowledge is everything. Oh, yes. But see, fountain of youth, you can stumble around aimlessly until you find the tree <laughs> of knowledge. So, Boy, that sounds like a great Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, just for eternity. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. Okay, this is the last one, and I think you're going to like this one. A $100 gift card to the Northern Markets or a $100 gift card to Trader Joe's? Oh, well, considering the show's over, I'm going to have to take Trader Joe's. <laughs> Just because what, 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 a, what a crappy gift that would be. Here you go, Michael. $100 gift certificate to the Northern Markets. 
wow, <laughs> thanks for the six years. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to take Trader Joe's just because there's a Trader Joe's near me. So it actually would be very handy. Although Excellent. what would be cool is if I took the gift certificate to the Northern Markets and I went to Trader Joe's and I went, hi, I have a gift certificate. Like we don't accept Northern Markets gift certificate. <laughs> yes, I was told you do. You're going to take this. I want that Trader Joe's milk. Do the so season all- six Johan voice and they'll give you anything. Yeah, that's the rumor. Or they throw you out and put you in. <laughs> or that. Michael, thank you so much for playing with me. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Entirely mutual. Again, I'm so, uh, I, I want to say proud of what you've done, but I, that's not the right word. I'm, I, I'm excited for what you're doing and, and honored by that you asked me on and encourage you to, to please feel, to continue. I, these are all the wrong words for the feelings I'm having, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I'm deeply grateful that you asked. Uh, you asked me to come on and and really wish you continued success with this. And even if you continue with the movies and exploring those, um, but what you've done is just a beautiful thing, just the comprehensiveness of it. And again, the way you guys articulate your thoughts and feelings about all of this, the conversations you're having are just wonderful. And I hope actually it can spill out into the rest of our world that to be able to have conversations in the way that you do talk about. Thank you so much. That means so much to us. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to say to the fans before we sign off? Yeah. Thank you. It's been a beautiful experience. I can't believe I'm crying. What the hell? That's so crazy. Um, yeah, (laughs) it's, I've been so fortunate to be able to do this and I'm deeply grateful to everybody who watched. I, I'm disconnected from that because, you know, you're just, I watch it at home myself and um, I'm I'm really grateful to everybody and it's been an honor to work on it. And uh, I look forward to the next experience with everybody. So thank you. Oh, thank you. We're so glad to be able to talk to you, especially as part of the DreamWorks family. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We will stay in touch. All right. Don't party too hard tomorrow. Saturday. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Wonderful talking to you. Bye. All right, everybody. Make sure you check out Michael Goldstrom's other projects. Keep up with him on Twitter and Instagram. We'll share his links so that you can find him. And make sure you search Michael Goldstrom on Audible to check out more of his work as well. Dragon fans, you know what to do. Show him some love. It was awesome to have him on the show this week. And last but not least, if you want to check out more of our episodes, you can find us on dragondropouts.com. We are on Twitter at dragondropouts. Find us on Tumblr. Send us a message. Let us know what you think of this week's episode and our interview with Michael. It was awesome to have him on the show. And from all of us at Dragon Academy Dropouts, thank you so much and we'll see you soon. Bye.